Welcome to another podcast from InsideCarolina.com, the independent voice of UNC sports. Brought to you by JohnnyTShirt.com, the go-to provider for all your Tar Heel gear. Welcome in to the Inside Carolina podcast, sponsored by Johnny T-Shirt and GiantT-Shirt.com, your spot for all UNC apparel. This is a UNC football recruiting podcast, and as always, we are joined by IC's football recruiting guru, Don Callahan. What's up, Don? I um, Nothing. Not much is <laughs> up. Um, you kind of threw me a head curveball there. Um, I'm well. One, oh, two things. One, I'm super excited because I just found out that that my coverage of uh, the Showtime camp, as they're calling it now, we'll get into more of that later, I guess, in the in the podcast. But it's going to be aided by um, the one and only Ross Martin. So I'm excited about that. And I also have an announcement to make. Do you want to hear my announcement? Yes. You're completely blindsided by this. We didn't even talk about this in in uh, off the air, but. Um, you know what my favorite snack is, correct? What is it, donuts? Donuts, right. All right. I am now going to make a stand, and I am not going to go to Dunkin' Donuts anymore. Wow, huge. I, yeah. I am. Father's Day is coming up, too. Well, but that doesn't mean donuts at all. I'm, I'm going to be – I think I'm going to be 100% a Krispy Kreme man. Why no Dunkin'? I just – the last few times, I've had really bad experiences. It's just – it just – the, the donuts don't taste fresh. Um, they they get stale really quickly. It's just it seems like really bad workmanship. There's not a whole lot of jelly in the jelly donut. I mean, it's just service is bad. I mean, it's just the whole thing. So I think and the, the worst part there's like a, a Dunkin' Donuts from walking distance from my house, and you know I'm not going to be able to take advantage of that. But yeah, so that's that's my big announcement. And you're going through some cat issues as well, but um, we're yeah, going. Okay. Cat issues. Uh, hopefully, I figure that out by the end of the podcast or shortly after the podcast, but we'll see. Yeah. We're going to move about, along from. What about you? Donut What's talk? going on with you? Uh, nothing, man. Baseball, working on baseball, working out, all this stuff. Um, not much going on, man. Trying to do a little gardening. I guess, I, I guess gardening has is, is, uh, been a focus in my life recently. But, really? Um, what do you, what, what's the gardening? <laughs> I'm growing some basil and tomatoes. Uh, I just looked what? outside. That's the only thing I think about, about my life right now. Um, do you do this in yeah. your backyard? Yeah, I gr- every year I grow uh, basil and tomatoes, and usually some other stuff. But this year I only went basil and tomatoes because I got a late start. Gotcha. Um, I make, okay. I make pesto. All right, good stuff. No more uh, garden talk. No more donut talk. No more cat talk. We're gonna dive right into uh, football recruiting. Huge news yesterday, which was Monday. We're recording this on Tuesday. Was the commitment of Jacoby Criswell to UNC? Um, so we're definitely going to dive into that. He's a quarterback from Arkansas, committed to the Tar Heels in the 2020 class. That's going to be obviously one of the big things we talk about on this episode. We're going to get into a couple topics from Don's Weekly Scoop, which is a new Inside Carolina feature, a new feature that Don's put together with tons of great info for our premium subscribers. We're not going to get into all that stuff, but we're going to mention a couple things and kind of tease that Weekly Scoop. We're going to talk about Moose Muhammad, Moose Muhammad's commitment to Texas A&M, a target for an in-state guy and a target for UNC and NC State and his decision to go out of state to the Aggies. And then wrap it up with um, some discussion on UNC's camps, which are coming up this week and next week. 
Um, so we'll get right into it with Jacoby Criswell. Don, I don't think it came as a surprise to, to you and those in the know, but it, it came as a surprise to many who don't follow football recruiting as closely that the Tar Heels added a second quarterback commitment in the 2020 class uh, in this Arkansas prospect. Can you give us a little brief information on him and, and kind of how that recruitment went down and why he decided to pick the Tar Heels on Monday? The thing with him is that Phil Longo's had a relationship with him for a very long time uh, since his, obviously since his days at Ole Miss. Um, and really that connection really kind of stuck with Cresswell and, and ultimately led to his, his commitment. But, um, but, you know, he was one of the guys that, um, that Longo really had his eye on for this class to be, to be, I guess his, his one of, one of his first uh, quarterbacks um, and uh, offered him, there were some, I guess, uh, misconceptions about when the offer actually came, and uh, Jacoby was under a different impression. But you know, Longo uh, said everything straight, and then really, you know, he was, and this is understandable, he was thrown off a little bit by um, Malik Hornsby's commitment about, I guess, about a month or so ago, and uh, you know, because he, you know, Chriswell had been leaning towards North Carolina for a while, and then when when Hornsby committed, you know, he's like, "Wow, this, is my spot gone?" And he didn't hear. He was completely blindsided by it. Didn't uh, didn't hear from anyone before or immediately after the commitment. But once he had a conversation with Longo, he felt much more comfortable with the situation. And and then basically he spent the weekend talking to people close to him, and and then woke up on Monday and said, "Hey, I'm ready to do this," and decided to make a verbal commitment. Yeah, and Jacoby Criswell is a six foot and a half. 218-pound dual-threat quarterback. He's ranked number 374 in the 24-7 sports composite, the number 10 dual-threat quarterback, and the number two overall player in the state of Arkansas. He had offers from Arkansas, um, Colorado, obviously some other Arkansas schools, Houston, Memphis, Miami, Mississippi State, NC State, Oklahoma State, Ole Miss. You have a mix of um, – some SEC schools and some some powers uh, like Oklahoma State and, and Miami and whatnot. Um, so a pretty significant quarterback and a talented guy that UNC got. And now it seems that UNC has landed two of their top quarterback targets for this class, which is a little bit of a change from what has happened in, in previous years under the Larry Fedora coaching staff. Um, and I guess the question that I have, Don – is the dynamic of having two quarterbacks in one class for recruiting purposes and and even more so um, when both of them get on campus next year with uh, with three other guys they have come they have enrolled already in Sam Howe and Jace Reuter and Cade Fortin and that how that breaks down what's your kind of take on how this affects either one of Malik Hornsberry or Jacoby Criswell's recruitment I know you touched on it already a little bit, but I think yeah. it's worthy of, of more discussion. Yeah, absolutely. I think there's there's a lot of variables at play here that, that would lead North Carolina to say, okay, we need to take another. One, what we talked about in our very first podcast that, that got a lot of people um, upset with me <laughs> is the fact that Hornsby, on the day that he committed to North Carolina, also set up an official visit to another school. So, And he said that you know, he's going to take – all of his official visits. So you can look at that and you're like, man, that's, that's not, um, we, we gotta, we gotta cover our, our butts on this. And so 
you have that. You have the situation that Hornsby could potentially deflect from this class. In addition to that, you have a quarterback battle at North Carolina with Sam Howe, Cade Fortin, and Jay's Reuter that with with all of them freshmen, you know, two of them are red shirts, but they're all freshmen, so they all have the same amount of eligibility left, that um, whoever wins that job, there's a very good chance that one of the two, if not both of them, ends up transferring. That's just the nature of college football right now with, with quarterbacks is that as soon as you your opportunity to play is, is out the window, you you leave and go to a, a better better situation that could lead to playing time. Um, so you have to worry about that also. The other thing is is that while Criswell is a very polished passer, and while Hornsby has a ton, a ton of talent, I can't emphasize that enough. I mean, we can go down, and we went down it all, just what he brings to the table when we, when we spoke about him shortly after his commitment. Um, but, you know, Hornsby, he projects as a quarterback, but could he be a guy like, like Chaz Surratt where after a couple of years, he, you know, it's realized that maybe quarterback's not his best position and that, and that his athleticism is maybe better suited at another position. I'm not saying that's the case to me. I would project him as a quarterback right now, but you gotta, you gotta, I guess, um, leave that option on the table just as with, with, you know, Chaz Surratt. So, so like I said, a lot of different things that you're like, okay, we need another quarterback. Um, really what's going to be the interesting thing is is that holding on to both of them, particularly with Hornsby, because I, I think you you adding a quarterback commitment, that can't help North Carolina's chances in keeping Hornsby. I'm not saying it's going to force Hornsby to decommit, but it, it just can't help um, UNC's um, cause with that. Yeah, and I think for UNC fans that this should – I mean, you, you want to take all the talented quarterbacks you can get um, and, and the talented players you can get. But this has a little uh, insurance uh, if Hornsby uh, – am I saying that his name right? Yes. Uh, yeah, Hornsby. If Hornsby was to decommit at some point, knowing that he wants to visit other schools, knowing that he's a, kind of an elite quarterback prospect in the state of Texas with a lot of uh, big schools in that area. So it gives you a little insurance there that they're going to have a very talented quarterback in the class and like you said, a great point that, well, look, if Sam Howe becomes a starter, you know, midway through the 2019 season uh, and, and succeeds, I, I would not be surprised, like you said, if one or both of Cade Fortin or, or Jace Reuter, um, who looks to transfer somewhere or, 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 or could stay, at least one could stay and try to compete for that job or, or be a backup because there are a lot of injuries at the quarterback position. So, um it looks like it's they want to take two quarterbacks in this class, and I think the staff has done great in landing two guys that fit that mold, that are athletic, dual-threat quarterbacks with strong arms that they've recruited very successfully. Um, will other school – obviously, are there any schools to worry about with Jacoby Criswell? Does he, he seems more firm in reading your your premium article than, than Hornsby in terms of just his desire to be at UNC and his level of commitment. Does that seem accurate? Yeah, I mean, he's already said that he's not taking any more visits, and he's already in the process of planning a lot of visits to North Carolina, as he mentioned in our our post uh, commitment Q and A. Um, you know, as we mentioned, he's from Arkansas, so bringing you know him alone, but bringing his entire family to Chapel Hill is not um, financially easy on the in, on the wallet at all. Um, but he's already plans on co- coming back in June. 
and then also making a, a few visits more than most people expect is, is, is the term he used um, during the season. He said he wants his sisters to see it, wants all of his family to see it, but he said he has no plans to visit any other schools. So I think that's a really, really good sign of just um, how solid and how committed he truly is to North Carolina. And do you know who likes commitment? What? Who? Buck, San- Buck Sanders. <laughs> That was a stretch, but I love it. Um, Criswell, uh, when did he visit UNC? When was his uh, visit there? It was, God, uh, um, it was for the, I'm trying to think when that was. I think, like a, I, I think it was back in April, I believe. Um, I don't think it was for the, no, it wasn't for the spring game. Um, it, it might have been actually, I'm looking actually now. It was back in March. I'm sorry. He, he, that's right. He went to the junior day. He went to the, the elite junior day with the Duke basketball game. And that's when he, he came out of out of that visit, listed North Carolina as his leader. So it's been a while. So he's definitely due to come back for sure this month. And how can you kind of speak to his game and what he brings as a player and maybe what how he is different than uh, Malik Horns being compared to those two players? Because he, he seems a little bit stockier, a mm-hmm. little shorter, but a little bit bigger. Um, but from a from an arm aspect and type of player he is. I'm actually going to break this down in the next uh, weekly scoop, but just to kind of give a little bit of a a preview of, I think the main difference between the two is just how much of a um, polished passer that Cresswell is compared to Hornsby. Hornsby is more of a, just a natural athlete that, that um, has the tools to excel at quarterback, but Cresswell is just um, more polished. You can see that, you know, he has the field vision, um, you know, he could, he, you can see that he breaks down a, a defense when he, when he drives back of the pocket, he's not, he's, he's very athletic and he's mobile, but he's not a running quarterback. He's more of a, you know, quick twitch escapes the rush so that he can buy additional time for his, uh, receivers. And he's also uses that mobility to, um, to throw in the run. It seems very, very comfortable throwing on the run and keeps his, his eyes downfield to let things develop, you know, um, He's a type that um, will help his receivers get open through looking off safeties and with ball fakes and, and that sort of thing. He throws a very, very catchable ball, nice tight spiral, and seems to, at least in some of the drill work I've seen of him, be able to put the ball wherever he wants to, um, wherever he wants to place it. Um, and um, are we getting ready to to go to our next topic? <laughs> Uh, yeah. Was well, there anything else you want to touch on with, uh, with the quarterbacks? Well, this is kind of connected and we haven't touched on our next topic for our top, our top five for next week. And, um, I know I haven't discussed it with you, but I just feel like this is a really good segue for it okay. is, so we have, we, we just got done talking about five quarterbacks, right? Jace yeah. Reuter, Cade Fortin, Sam Howell, uh, Jacoby Cresswell and Malik Hornsby. Yes. Why, why don't we just take those five and rank them by by uh, how good their college careers will be ultimately, whether it ends up being at North Carolina or somewhere else? Do you think that's a good top five? Yeah, I think that could work. Uh, okay. uh, projecting those five quarterbacks. Yes, by the end of their college careers. And it doesn't have to necessarily be at North Carolina because, as we said, I mean, I think the chances are pretty good that at least one of these guys, maybe more, ends up not finishing their career at North Carolina. Not to be negative, but I mean, I just think we're just being realistic here. 
for sure. And now we're going to take a break and talk about Johnny T-Shirt and GiantT-Shirt.com. We love that they sponsor the UNC, sorry, the Inside Carolina podcast. Um, they are online and in store on Franklin Street, right next to campus. And when you come in for the baseball super regionals, come in to visit in the summer or for a game this fall, make sure to stop to their stop by their Franklin Street location. They've been there for 35 years. They're locally and alumni owned, and they focus only on UNC. So they're a UNC centric store. They have great customer service, um, and you can stop by anytime when you're in Chapel Hill. They have tons of baseball merchandise right now. Stop by for a Super Regional shirt, for an ACC tournament shirt. And they're also promoting Father's Day gifts, tons of gear. I think that's – I always get uh, I always get my niece and nephew UNC gear. So it's a great – it's an easy gift for a family member. Just hop onto giantteacher.com or go to the store and get something for your dad or for a family member. And with the – UNC football opener coming up against South Carolina. They're pushing their real Carolina t-shirt. So head to Johnny t-shirt on Franklin street or giantt-shirt.com to get your UNC apparel. And remember, I see subscribers get a 10% discount online with the store code that we provide on our premium message board for inside Carolina subscribers. All right. Our next topic, Don is uh, is a little bit from your weekly scoop. And I would uh, encourage all listeners to subscribe to Inside Carolina first and then really check out this weekly scoop. I, it, it's one of the, I think it's going to become one of the better features on um, on Inside Carolina. You do tons of great things. The, the, mock, the mock class is great. The inside the recruitment, inside the commitment, things are great you do um, with recruiting. And I think it's going to begin to rival Shirelle's uh, basketball scoop, which I think is a lot of people's favorite um, feature on Inside Carolina. But there's tons of stuff on there, ranging from defensive line talk, um, enrollees, camp info, and things like that. But we wanted to pick out one or two things to kind of tease it, and that is Des Evans' um, recruitment. What can you give us on that, Don? Any updates on Des Evans? Obviously, the five-star talented prospect from down down the road. Um, and obviously a very highly touted, highly desired uh, kid for, for all teams in the area. Well, as the weekly scoop mentions, you know, he, and we've talked about this before also, he wants to take a lot of visits in, in the summer, which will mostly be June. And then that one week in July is, is uh, a non dead period. So that's when he'll be allowed to take visits. Um, and I was talking to his coach about those visits uh, late last week, you know, where he's at with with uh, scheduling them and and who he plans on visits, uh, who he plans on taking visits to. And the interesting thing for me was that he only has two visits scheduled and both of them are to North Carolina. And I know with a lot of the especially with a recruitment like Des Evans is where you know, he's being very, very. Um, coy with his remarks and not giving out a whole lot of information, you know, you know, um, so we have to kind of focus on what he does to kind of determine where his mind is at and for him to only schedule those two visits to North Carolina thus far, I mean, more are going to be scheduled. You know, his coach talked about Ohio state and, and uh, Alabama and, you know, Virginia tech will get a visit and all that. Um, But um in Tennessee and NC State, but the fact that that North Carolina were the first two to get scheduled, I think I think it's 
speaks volumes for North Carolina's chances. It doesn't guarantee UNC is going to land him, but anybody who says that North Carolina isn't a major player in this recruitment is just um, is fooling themselves. Yeah, and do you think this guy, Des Evans, you know, he doesn't have any other visits scheduled right now. You alluded to him potentially scheduling more and that June will be a big visit month for him. Do you think he makes it to these out-of-state visits or do you think he just keeps it in the state? I mean, how much do you really think he's going to go to Alabama and Ohio State? That's that's actually a really good question because he has not been able to get too far as it is, which is a really good sign for how easy it's going to be for his family to come and see him at these further away schools. And, you know, it's obviously up for him to kind of um, to, to decide that and kind of see that for himself, but that's the plan. They're working on it. Obviously June is a lot more um, cooperative for visits because you don't have school, um, which means also your, your, your high school coaches are available to take you places. Um, Usually it's easier for, for parents to, to take vacation days and all of that. Um, if you want to use your vacation day to drive all the way up to Columbus or to Tuscaloosa, that's I guess that's up to you. But um, so it's definitely possible. But it's if he came out of June without visiting Ohio State and Alabama, I I wouldn't be I wouldn't be shocked. It's just it's hard for a lot of uh, families to to pay for these trips. Um, so um, and and really and and. I guess if you're a UNC fan, what you have to hope is that they look at this and they say, okay, this is going to make it really difficult for mom and dad to come and come and see me. Um, you know, when at those schools, if I were to choose those schools, much easier for them to see me at an in-state school or a school that's, that's within just a few hours away from home. For sure. And with all these UNC visits and, you know, maybe visits to see state more, do you think he, he keeps his commitment to what we think is going to be a January commitment at one of these all-star games? Or do you think he pulls the trigger earlier before the football season? Or do you have any thoughts on that? Yes. Um, from my interactions with Desmond, I've known him since he was a freshman. He's not the type. I don't see him as a type to just kind of make a decision just on the spot. I think, you know, for if you just take the, the example of his top 10, which was released, um, I think it was, uh, uh, about a month ago, his top 10 w- was released, but that was, he worked on that for almost the entirety of, of 2019. You know, so uh, what was that? So four or five months, he's been working on that and it took him that long just to get down to 10 schools. So I think it's going to be a lot harder for him to actually make a decision. I think he's going to go. It wouldn't surprise me if he delays it all the way until signing day. I think a lot of that's going to determine official physics is going to play a big role in this because I think it is going to be hard for him to visit all the schools he wants to visit, whether he ends up making it to Ohio state or Alabama, I think it's going to be harder for him to visit all the schools he wants to in June and July. And then he's going to have to use official visits. And if those official visits aren't used during the season or only a couple of them are used during the season, he's of course going to have to wait until January to use them. And so I think it wouldn't surprise me to see a, a signing day in February verbal commitment, although he's mentioned possibly making a commitment in, in uh, during the December uh, signing period also. But I, I just think he's going to need the time. And I don't think he's a guy who's going to go someplace and just be like, yeah, I'm going to commit here. For sure. Good stuff there. And you wanted to mention Miles Murphy. He's also featured in your scoop. Obviously, you break down a lot of UNC's defensive line targets in that weekly scoop. We're only touching on two guys. So definitely check that out. 
uh, Don goes in depth on the recruitment of, of most of UNC's main targets. But Miles Murphy, uh, the Greensboro Dudley guy, if, if I remember correctly, um, what's going on with his recruitment now? Well, I guess the major development was he took his first official visit this past week into South Carolina, and he came out of that official visit naming South Carolina his leader. And actually, I guess more of a, I guess, kick in the nuts to North Carolina is the fact that he said he's going to take two more official visits, one to Alabama, one to Florida, and then make his decision which for those who have been following this recruitment, you might be saying to yourself, whoa, 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 wait a second. He's supposed to take an official visit to North Carolina on um, June 21st. So um, I've reached out a little bit to Miles. He has not yet confirmed whether he's going to take that visit. Uh, you know, he, he hasn't said that he's not going to take the visit. He just hasn't told me whether he's going to take that visit or not. Um, but I have talked to some sources close to North Carolina and they have spoken to UNC, the UNC staff has spoken to Miles since his return from um, South Carolina, and um, they're on the impression that the official visit to North Carolina is still on. I think that UNC has to do everything in its power to make sure that Miles Murphy makes it to North Carolina on June 21st. If not, he's not going to pick North Carolina. He's going to pick somewhere else now. If you can establish that official visit and make sure that happens, great. And, and I think I think everything else will kind of fall into place. I wouldn't worry so much about him coming out of the weekend claiming that South Carolina is his leader because it's his first official visit. South Carolina all, already was a major player in his recruitment. Um, so for him to come out of his first official visit with, it, with a school that was um, very strong in his recruitment already and claiming that they're his leader and he didn't commit, I think that's not as big as as much of a big deal as um as it sounds i think what's a, what's an even bigger deal is the fact that he mentioned not um needing to take the official to north carolina so that's what the coaches need to make sure happens and you look at his profile right now i mean he would be the highest ranked recruit that unc would have in the class right now uh you look at his college list, and there's schools that are listed as warm. UNC, Alabama, and LSU are warm, and then South Carolina is listed as warmer. Of course, we can we we change those by going into the profile there and the crystal ball, which I know Don, you're not a huge fan of. But the, the crystal ball has um, South Carolina as 100, uh, and this is a Greensboro guy from Dudley who seems to uh, like the Gamecocks right now, and they seem to have taken a front position in his recruitment. Um. Great. We're going to take a quick break and we'll be back to talk about Moose Muhammad's commitment and dive into some UNC camp stuff. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance, too, with the name your price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go 
to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. And we're back. Don, what, what surprised me, I was looking at Twitter and scrolling through, I think this was last night, was Moose Muhammad's commitment to Texas A&M. Now, he's been a UNC target. Um, he's been a, a big NC State target as well and goes to the same high school as, is it Porter Rook? Is that right? Porter Rooks. Porter Rooks. Porter yep. Rooks. Yeah, and, and obviously a really talented wide receiver and a guy that the, tar- the UNC was targeting for that final uh, spot. But he kind of kind of flipped the page and, and committed to Texas A&M. What was your thought on that? Because I think it surprised me and probably surprised a lot of people that follow recruiting like I do. Yeah, I think you're starting, I guess, um, late last week. I started to hear hear rumblings from um, from different sources. Um, you know, sources close to NC State, sources close to Texas A and M, that um, that he was leaning towards A and M, and that uh, he was getting close to making a decision. So I wasn't all that surprised. And now looking back and looking at his video, which is actually one of the more impressive commitment videos that you'll see this video was clearly filmed part of it at least unless they are really good at uh their editing skills um part of it is filmed at texas a&m which makes me think okay this makes sense because he probably was filming this during a recent visit and the editing and it slowly started to kind of trickle out that he was going to commit to texas a&m over the weekend um if if you've been following his recruitment, we actually inside Carolina went on location with him back in May. I'm sorry, back in April. And uh, at that time, he, he essentially said it's it's down to Texas A&M, North Carolina and NC State. He left the door open for other schools to kind of jump in, um, specifically Nebraska. But really, it was going to come down to those schools. I kind of felt like after kind of spending some time with him and also kind of seeing him interact with Porter Rooks at his high school, that NC State was the team to beat. So in reality, I think that this in you know, North Carolina, for the most part, they have three receivers committed, and and their mindset is is okay. We'll add another if there are elite, you know, such as Moose Muhammad is elite. They would have added him as the fourth. So they're basically set at receiver, and and anything anything that comes along that they take is basically just you know is icing on the top of the cake, so to speak. Uh, but for NC State, this is. Um, this this hurts them a lot more than, than UNC because I think that they really thought for a while there that, that they were going to add him to this class and and I and I think they thought that when Porter Rooks who has always been close friends with with uh, Moose Muhammad transferred to Myers Park that it was a lock that they were going to get him so I think it hurts NC State way more than it hurts North Carolina. There you go I and mean, it's kind of bizarre I mean you have all these different offers uh, Auburn Alabama Florida near Louisville. And then, of course, the in-state schools, Ohio State, Oregon, and then UNC and NC State, and he picks Texas A&M. I mean, hats off to them for how they recruited him. The writing was kind of on the wall looking at his visits that he took an official visit in May. He took an unofficial in May after taking an official in April. So yeah. he brought his whole family out in May for an unofficial visit, uh, which, is, which is a pretty big deal, you know, traveling uh, halfway across the country. For the school and that well, I think though, if if anybody can afford to just on the drop of a hat go and visit a school such as Texas A and M, I think is Moose Muhammad with his father who played what was it ten years in the NFL. I think he and and from my understanding, he's doing really well 
uh, after his his uh, NFL career, also as as far as uh, financially. So I think they can they can easily go to uh, Texas A&M without any problem. For sure, financially it makes sense, but uh, just the the intention and, and what that yes, oh yeah, tells you like taking the time to do that uh, for a school so far away is pretty huge. Good stuff. Don't want to spend too much time talking about a player that's not not even involved with UNC. Well, and, and on that note, let me just jump in real quick before you move to the next topic. Is that Moose and, and I really enjoy spending time with him. So this is not a um, a negative on him. He's a great kid. I, um, great kid. You know, I love watching him. He loves the attention. He is your stereotypical NFL receiver when it comes to loving the limelight, always open, get me the ball, let me make a play, you know, all that sort of stuff. That's him. So my question is, is, you know, once you get committed, you no longer are getting the attention as much as what you were getting. And is that going to bother him? And is that going to cause him to... um Maybe look around after a month or so of kind of dealing with uh, the lack of attention. So that's one thing to kind of keep in mind with him. And could North Carolina be a school that could benefit from that? I'm not saying that that's going to happen. I'm just saying, you know, let's just watch to see what he does after the, um, the, the, the cameras are no longer on him and, and people aren't asking him for interviews all the time. That's why you're the best in the biz, Don. Just fiery takes like that. Fiery personal insight into the personality of a player like Moose Muhammad, who just committed to Texas A&M. As we wrap this up, uh, we want to get into UNC's uh, summer camps. And this is an annual thing for UNC. I mean, Fedora had anywhere between six to ten camps a summer, and we would cover those. And it's a a good chance to see a lot of players and for players to visit and for some new guys to, to come into the scene as well. Um, but this year, there seems to be less camps, and we, we've touched on this in previous podcasts, but Don, can you take us through what you expect to be the summer camp recruiting schedule for UNC? And, and then my question would be, uh, what's the effect of having less camps? And can it be a negative that they're not holding as many, or do you think that their strat- what their strategy is with these uh, limited number of camps? Well, first, with the, the actual schedule, we have this weekend coming up, Saturday and Sunday, there will be two camps. And those are going to be, as uh, quantity-wise, those are going to be its largest. I have no idea what to expect size-wise. I'm, I guess if I had to throw a number out there, I'm thinking over 500, which is, Ross, you know, you've covered a bunch of camps under Fedora. That's a lot. Usually we're, we're talking, you know, a large camp for a one-day camp would be about 200 300 so i think that that these two camps just because of the fact there's only two of them and um they're on weekends which makes it a lot easier to travel i think they're going to be very very large in number um and then we have the the showtime camp um i don't know if we're ready to release the date yet on that but we will soon on inside carolina that obviously is going to be a freak show style camp where the top players are going to come i already have a running list of expected attendees and it's it's impressive, and it includes just about all of UNC's top targets from multiple classes. So um, definitely make sure you, especially next week when we start to kind of reveal some of that information, you know, check in with Inside Carolina to uh, to see those lists. You know, and I'm telling you, it's very very impressive. And also, there's a seven on seven camp, which Ross has never been a fan of. Um, that is not this Thursday, but the following Thursday, which I believe is the 13th. And, um, and while that isn't this huge camp where a lot of, um, a lot of the normal stuff comes out, like, you know, 
breakout players get, gets an offer and that sort of thing. Um, it, it's uh, it, there is going to be some top uh, talent there for sure. We mentioned Des Evans earlier. That's actually one of the visits he's going to be making to North Carolina. His team is participating in the camp, and even though he's a defensive end, he's actually going to be working out as an outside linebacker slash inside receiver um, for. Lee County, and that's according to his head coach. But also, Richmond County is another school is going to be there at the 707. They have Caleb Hood, who um, a UNC legacy, who uh, UNC just offered, um, and they have a couple other players to keep an eye on. So that's the camp schedule. As far as the effects, the negative effects of it is that I don't know how in the world you can do a great evaluation when you have a ton of kids that you are trying to coach up. And so, you know, when you have, I guess let me step back a, a little bit. When you have only two, essentially only two camps, as opposed to having uh, nine or having eight camps, anybody who wants to camp at North Carolina now has to go to one of those two camps, which brings those numbers up to to really uncomfortable numbers. And um, I just think it, it's harder to evaluate guys. Obviously, you can kind of, if you see a guy that you like, you can kind of take him to the side and work him out individually, which is w- what... Um, which Davis used to do when he would have the bigger camps um, when he was head coach at North Carolina. But I think overall it, it, it makes it difficult to do evaluations on kids. Um, also makes these camps a lot longer, which um, so these kids you're getting, you know, the law of, of diminishing returns kind of comes into play here. Um, but a positive of it, and this is one of the reasons why I think they did it. I guess there's a couple. One is that, Camp season is also a time for a lot of visits. Now, last year when a when a big time kid and Ross always likes to bring up the the um, all the action happened on the sidelines um, lead for his stories. Um, when a big time kid would visit, he would kind of just sit on the sidelines for three hours or you know every once you know, they obviously you know one of the um, staffers would kind of bring them around for tours and, and that sort of thing. But for the most part, they would sit on the sidelines and kind of watch the coaches coach and wouldn't participate. That's time now when you don't have a camp that the coaches can be spending with that recruit. Um, so that's a positive. The other thing is, is that you have all these, these camps at, um, at, at smaller colleges where they might not be all that far from Chapel Hill, but it might be difficult for a kid to make it to Chapel Hill. And, uh, or it might be in a hotbed area where, where um, you know, an unknown um, and, and I think the two camps you're going to see UNC coaches at, and they'll be coaching at them, is at maybe a UNC Charlotte camp or Old Dominion, which obviously UNC Charlotte is located in Charlotte, which is probably, as we, as we I guess, established last week in our podcast, Charlotte is, is the, the number one territory of North Carolina. So anytime you can get into that city and, and spend some time there and, and check out the talent, that's, that's a positive Old Dominion obviously is located in the Tidewater area, which is also on most people's list when we did our um, our recruiting list um, uh, last uh, last week. Um, and so that's an area that definitely where you can take advantage of being there for kids who who might not have the funds to travel, you know, what is it, three hours to Chapel Hill or whatever it may be, um, but uh, can make the 15-minute the trip to ODU, and UNC is going to be able to see them. And there's probably going to be some other camps that, that UNC coaches be able to go to. Um, and the reason why is that under NCAA rules, and I probably should mention this to begin with, each college coach on your staff can only, uh, can only coach at or attend 10 camps total. So if you're only holding 
you have four camps, that means there's six other camps that each individual coach can attend. So it, it gives them a, a little bit of advantage in that department also. Good stuff. So a lot of good information there. Um, I, I, I like the idea that because they have less camps, they can have more time for the players they really want and are recruiting to come to campus. And they'll be more flexible with those dates and be able to spend more time um, hosting desire, multiple and, and multiple desirable targets, um, which is an added, added benefit of having less camps um, for, for the staff to kind of work. We at. should we should also mention that we're going to provide wall to wall coverage on all of these camps. And at least for the Showtime camp, my work will be greatly aided by the one, the only Ross Martin. Um, and there might be a chance Ross might make some appearances this weekend in helping out good old Don with uh, Saturday and Sunday's camp. <laughs> Ross will not, will not be at the 707 camp, but that's okay. I got it all under control and we will have full coverage of the 707 camp also. Okay. We'll see. Thanks for making my schedule there. Um, and we'll be doing a podcast. I imagine the morning after or even the night of the showtime camp. Um, now that I'm hosting, we'll, we'll be able to knock that out either uh, maybe right, right the night of and, and get, get it over with uh, and get the instant reactions, you know, maybe some commitments and things like that, which usually happen to these big camps. Um, okay. So we're moving on to our top five, Don. Um, the top five for next week is going to be the five quarterbacks that UNC right now has either committed or on roster. That is Jace Reuter, Cade Fortin, Sam Howe, uh, Jacoby uh, Criswell, and Malik Hornsby, which one of those five is going to have the best college career, whether UNC or otherwise? A little room there to – a little ambiguous room there to, to figure it out. But give us – you have to name all five and put them in order, one through five there. But um, while you all are thinking on that, we are going to go to our submissions for this week's top five, which was, I think, a good one. It's a good well, con- We have item. to tell people – we have to tell people how to submit. I think most people who listen know how to submit, but make sure you either DM it, send it to me on the message board. Don Callahan is, is my name on the message board or DM it to me on um, Twitter, which is at Don Callahan. IC. make sure you, in addition to your top five, you give me your first name. Don't give me your, your handle. I know what your handle is. Give me your first name and your, and your location um, you don't have to give me exact. It would be cool to kind of know what town you're in. Nobody's going to stalk you. I'm not going to show up at your door. Okay. So the top five for this week, great topic. Like I said earlier, uh, something obviously to think about leading up to the 2019 season. We'll obviously be discussing this a lot when we get to meet with the players and coaches, but it's your uh, top five fresh, true freshmen or redshirt freshmen of who will have the most impact this season. So that's the incoming class, 2019 class, or players from the 2018 class who are reg- who registered last year, played four games or less. Okay, we're going to read two submissions each. We didn't get as many this time. Then we got looks like what six or seven, Dom. So Dom, yeah, why don't you start off with one, and then I will I'll follow with another one, and we'll knock it out. All right. Well, I my suggestion is that for your first one, you should read Dale's because Dale had a very, very nice comment about your work on the podcast. All right. That's just my two cents. Okay. Dale from Waxhall. Here we go. His number one guy is Jace Reuter. 
Uh, he says Fortin is a more polished pocket passer, and Hal appears to have a stronger arm. But Reuter has the best combo of both and will rise to the top as the best starting QB for this season. But J- uh, Dale also says that all three uh, QBs on the roster will start at some point in the season. That's a bold take by Dale. Um, it's going to be so interesting to see what happens with the quarterbacks this year. Uh, I think he has a he has a point that all three could start, and I think Mac Brown has alluded to that as well. Number two, William Barnes. While he has rotated between the ones and twos during the spring, I expect him to firmly establish himself as a starting guard, especially now that Polino has moved to center. Uh, Barnes has benefited from getting playing experience last year while still maintaining redshirt status. Barnes, obviously, a, a four-star commitment uh, in last year's class and a very talented guy that UNC landed, but uh, had some injury issues last year and, and really didn't was kind of second team, if not less, uh, during the spring. Number three, Brant Lawless says will firmly establish himself in D-line rotation. Uh, that's a defensive tackle that was like a Tennessee commit or even a Tennessee signee that eventually found his way to UNC. Number four, Edmond Tillius. Uh, C. William Barnes with Polina moving to center. There's a second vacancy at guard. Uh, Dale sees him and Billy Ross battling it out, but whoever – Whomever doesn't start will still see time, uh, significant playing time. And five, Storm Duck with uh, spring ball under his belt. Expect Duck to establish himself in the two deep for the fall and also contribute on special teams. Great list from Dale, great detail, and I think it aligns with a, with, with a lot of similar thoughts people will have. All right, so I'm going to go with Paul from Morganton. He has number one, Sam Howell, number two, Jace Reuter, number three, Cameron Kelly, number four, Storm Duck, and number five, Eugene Asante. Cameron Kelly? Why do I not know that name? He's a transfer from Auburn. Okay. I did not know that. He's a four-star transfer from Auburn. You know who he is. I just think he's just... When did he enroll? He enrolled in the first summer semester because he actually signed with Auburn in... um, Sat with Auburn in December and then uh, has some health issues with his family, lives in Virginia Beach, and and then okay. transferred to North Carolina. Do you remember that now? Damn. Okay. Uh, next, I will read uh, ooh, Zach Hubbard from Winston-Salem. His, I'll go reverse order. He has five, Grant Lawless, defensive tackle. Four, kicker, Noah Ruggles. UNC has a lot of vacancy at the, at the kicking position. Number three, William Barnes. Number two, Ed Montilius. Number one, whoever starts at QB. That's a, a little bit of a cheating there, Zach. He didn't name a name. But he said, <laughs> in parentheses, Jace Reuter or Sam Howe would be my pick. Right. Um, and I believe, yeah, Jace and Cade are all both redshirt freshmen, too. Yeah, they're right. They are. All right. So my last mission I'm going to read is Mo. Mo from Morrisville. I feel like it's, it's such an appropriate name to be from Morrisville. Number one, Jace Reuter. Number two, Barnes. Number three, Ed Montilius. Number four, Eugene Asante. And number five, Giovanni Biggers. There you so, go. So we need to go into to ours. Who, um, you want to go first? Or you want me to go first? Uh, you can go first. All right. So I went with uh, Quadra Jackson for my number five. First, let me just say, this was a lot harder than than what I um, uh, what I expected. I mean, there I have actually an honorable mention list, and I feel like any one of these guys really deserve to be on this list. I have Kamari Morales, DeAndre um, Hollins, who played in four games last year, um, and I and but he saves his red shirt. 
Jill Taylor played in two games. Eugene Asante, Cameron Kelly, who Ross doesn't remember. Those guys um, were in my honorable mention. But I went uh, with uh, Quadri Jackson as my number five. He he's obviously was in the spring. He, he, there was some buzz around him. I think that uh, you know he has the the tools that uh, Jay Bateman can really take advantage within his uh, his defense, and also he should contribute in special teams. Okay, that's your five. So that's that's my yeah number five. Yep. Okay, great. Uh, my number five, I'll go uh, Ed Montillas. Um, he broke out in the spring. I think surprising. It was very surprising to me and. Greg, when we saw that happen, because uh, he was kind of an unhaled recruit, kind of rode in the coattails of William Barnes, but he passed Barnes and was in a starting spot. And I mean, if he is your starter at guard, that is a huge kind of breakout role for a, a, a redshirt freshman. All right. You want to go with your number four? Or you want me to go with my number four? Go ahead. This is, this is all straight. Go ahead. All right. My number four is a name that hasn't been mentioned by anybody else, Justin Olson. And I know he's doesn't have the ranking, but this guy is a player. And he's super hardworking. He's self-made. Guys like that end up coming out of nowhere and playing when you don't expect him to play. And and I just think everybody in Charlotte I talked to who played against him has nothing but positive things to say. And if anybody who knows the coaches in Charlotte, there's a lot of um, rivalry uh, with, within the, the different schools. And so there's not a lot of, pos- a lot of positive things said by um, by by opposing quarterback opposing coaches so for him to get so much praise from his opposing coaches it says a lot who's your number four uh my number four is i'll go this is kind of tough Jaleel taylor i think there has to be a defensive tackle on there whether that's Jaleel taylor or brant lawless but um you know you saw some flashes with him last year he's a big body guy who can he can kind of be that backup nose tackle for aaron crawford uh, a quick guy is explosive, and I think he's going to be a good player for UNC. So I'll go Jill Taylor, um, who played some last year, but is still maintained his redshirt status. All right. My number three is Brant Lawless. For the same reasons a lot of people mentioned him, he got a lot of buzz, seemed to really get into the rotation at defensive line, comes with um, you know a lot of talent. Um, obviously, he's he's understandably raw. He's a freshman, but I, I really expect him to at least get into the rotation uh, this fall, a guy that uh, Bateman can de- definitely take advantage of. Okay, my number three, I'm going to go Eugene Asante. I think there has to be a linebacker on there. Um, you could go Trey Morris and you could go Cadre Jackson, but um, I think Eugene Asante comes in as a freshman and plays. There's plenty of opportunities to play. Uh, learning the defense could be a challenge for some of these rookies, but uh, I think he comes in with the most pure uh, talent and, and physical ability to step in and contribute in, day, um, in, in season one. All right. My number two is Ed Montillas. And uh, you can correct me if I'm wrong, Ross, but I believe he came out of the um, the spring as one of the starting offensive linemen yeah. at guard, correct? Yes, correct. And I think that you know people might look at this and say, whoa, wait a second. You know, he Between him and, Ed, and, um, and William Barnes, he was the lesser from the rankings. But this actually happens a lot in North Carolina. If you look at... When way back and and Ross, I don't even know if, do you remember when Rashad Mason was signed with the I think it was the Bush Davis's first class wide receiver four star okay four star wide receiver his teammate Brian Gupton was seemed like kind of like a a toss in sort of guy to help UNC land Mason 
But what it turned out is that Gupton ended up having a way better career at UNC, started a bunch of games, and Mason really couldn't find a spot, rotated back and forth between uh, tight end and wide receiver. Another example, Jeremiah Clark was much more highly ranked than Malik Carney. And I think a, a most people would agree that Carney's career w- ended up being better. I could see this playing out again with Montillas and Barnes. I think Barnes is a great player, but I think Montillas is, is showing that um, he might be the best of the two. Good stuff. Good analysis there, Don. All right. So my number two, um, I'm going to go, I've got a couple names here. Um, I'm going to go Emory Simmons. I think I uh, heard some buzz about his speed, his explosiveness. He enrolled early. There's a lot of opportunities for wide receivers. Um, UNC lost some wide receivers, so he can come in and make an impact um, in UNC's air raid offense. It's not a, a very hard offense to understand for receivers, and he has the, the most talent of, of any of the incoming guys. All right, my number one. Is Sam Howell. I think you got to go one of the quarterbacks because UNC needs one of these guys to step up and be the dude. And I think the staff, if if all things are equal, I think the staff would prefer Sam Howell to be that guy for a lot of different reasons. For the most part, it's because he's from this state. And I think it will help with with uh, in-state recruiting. And they, they believe this. It would help with in-state recruiting if your program, the face of your program, is a homegrown guy. Um, it would it would definitely help. Not only is he a homegrown guy, but he's a guy from that Charlotte area where he has a lot of connections with with a lot of these these um, top recruits from the 2020 class and the 2021 class. He's he um, you know Gavin Blackwell who is just blowing up on the recruiting scene. Um, he's a four star wide receiver from the 2021 class. He used to be teammates of of Sam's. And not only were they teammates, but but Gavin definitely looks up to to Sam. Sam definitely took him under his wing throughout his recruitment. So, um, like I said, has to be a quarterback number one, I think. And um, my bet for right now would be Sam Howell would be that guy. All right. You want to hit me with a drum roll, Don? My number one is also Sam Howell. Though, you know, I would not be surprised if a Jay Schroeder or Jay Schroeder starts initially and has success or, or Cade Ford, and I think they're all capable. It's going to be so tough for the staff to pick which one, but you hit on some great points. I'm not going to repeat them, but he ultimately, I think, has the, the most upside, the best arm strength, um, and, and it fits that role in what UNC wants to do in this offense. So that is our top five. That is the end of this podcast. We appreciate you listening. Don, anything else you want to add? Uh, the only other thing is make sure everyone's checking out the, the top 50 ranking, which we didn't really touch on today. Didn't really make sense to touch on it in the middle of, the, of it, but uh, that's, that's uh, being released by 10 every day this week. So make sure you, you um, are, are checking those out. I'm sure we'll talk about it next week on our next podcast. And as June rolls in, this is a hot time for football recruiting. Usually there's a lot of commitments that surround these camps. And so make sure you stay tuned inside Carolina premium message board and to this podcast. And we're, we're going to do this every week. Thanks for listening, guys. We'll see you next time. Thanks for listening to another podcast from InsideCarolina.com. 
Brought to you by JohnnyTShirt.com. Where to go for your next Tar Heel gear purchase.